0: Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not gonna be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well where I wear my hat backwards <laughs> because <laughs> my
1: dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and you know he's got a eight and a half, and I got like a little five, it's not gonna really stay on my head. Genie Bus. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody.
2: and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important.
0: Damian Lillard.
2: That was for Seattle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Thanks for joining
2: us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by our friends at Molka Sports. M-A-L-K-A-Sports.com, M-A-L-K-A-Sports.com. Our guest on the show today, Sarah McDevitt. She's the founder and CEO of Core Wellness, the head of mind tech for Hyperice. You may recall we've had the CEO of Hyperice on, Jim Heather, Alex Toussaint, Peloton instructor. He works with Hyperice. But Sarah founded the mind tech division for Hyperice and athletes like Naomi Osaka, Patrick Mahomes, uh, and many others. Ian Happ, who was with us last week from the Chicago Cubs they're focusing more on the mental aspect of performance and just daily life. So we're going to talk about that with Sarah and as a gift from Hyperice to Sports Business Radio listeners, if you enter the code capital S B R 15 capital S B R 15 and you go to hyperice.com, you can save $15 off the Core premium bundle. I'll tell you this, I have the Hyperice device, the Core device, and it pulsates, it vibrates, it gives me something. It's like a warm cup of coffee to hold on to while you're meditating. I use it regularly. I love it. It's helped my mental health. Uh, I thought meditation was some hoodoo voodoo, and it's actually really good for me, and I think it'll be good for you. So during the stressful holidays, as we get ready for uh, 2022, I would say this is a good investment in your mental health. Everyone has stress on some level, so uh, go out and get yourself the core premium bundle at hyperice.com and enter the promo code capital SBR15. And I think you'll enjoy the conversation today with Sarah McDevitt, founder of CEO, founder and CEO of Core Wellness. She went to Stanford. she worked at Microsoft. She's a former collegiate athlete. Great idea for starting this company. All right, Brian Griggs, our executive producer, joined me, Griggs, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. And like you mentioned, the thing. I think it's really neat that it's something that you don't have to be like a star athlete to use it. It's very usable for us normal people and it works. And uh, I love that. I love that it's accessible to everybody. It's a great device and it works. So go get one.
2: All right. Upcoming guests on Sports Business Radio. We are ending the year and starting 2022 with a great lineup. Next week, December 14th, someone I've actually been chasing since we launched the show in 2004. Tennis superstar, entrepreneur and investor Maria Sharapova is going to join me. She is the founder of Sugar Pova, the candy company. She's been on Shark Tank. She just invested in public.com, which is an investment app. She still works with Nike. She's into fashion, architecture. I think you'll enjoy my conversation with Maria Sharapova on the December 14th edition of Sports Business Radio, December 21st. We'll have our top 10 sports business stories of 2021. That's always one of our most popular shows of the year. We look back on the year and count down the top 10 sports business stories of the year. And then on January 4th, we're going to kick off the year with Monica Aldama. She is the head coach of Navarro College in Texas. If you've watched the Netflix hit series, Cheer, she is the head coach. She's won 14 national championships It's really amazing what she's done from the junior college level. I think she's as good as any coach in America in any sport. And it's a compelling show. She's got a new book out as well. So Monica Aldama from Cheer is going to kick off the year for us right here at Sports Business Radio on January 4th. Griggs.
0: A lot of people take off time, you know, and do different things around the holidays. Obviously, you need to keep listening to SBR because that is a lineup... uh, for the champions. I love it. I mean, Sharapova, I followed since she started playing tennis and so excited to see what she's doing off the court now and so involved with so many different avenues. And then I love the top 10 because you and me get the banter and go back and forth on some of the big stories of 2021 and then kicking off the year 14 national championships. I mean, that is absolutely impressive. I have not started watching cheer yet, but I'm going to do it as we get closer to Christmas here. So uh, I'm excited for the lineup.
2: Yeah, that's your assignment between now and January 4th is you need to go watch Cheer on Netflix and you'll see Monica in action. And she is a great coach. And, you know, again, she could go to University of Texas or USC or UCLA. The fact that she's won 14 national championships from a junior college, it's phenomenal. And, you know, look, these cheerleaders are every bit the athlete that the football players are, the basketball players are, the volleyball players are, the grit and grind and determination from these cheerleaders is really amazing. And I think that's why celebrities like Taylor Swift and Justin Timberlake and Ellen DeGeneres and people like that have been so outspoken about the show. They love the show. They've been big fans of the show. So uh, Monica will tell some of those stories as well. All right, headlines. The college football playoff is set. Alabama is taking on Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Michigan is taking on Georgia. Once again, we have two SEC teams in the mix. But Cinderella, Cincinnati, has been invited to the ball for the first time. The first time a non-Power 5 team has made it to the college football playoff. Griggs, I don't know about you. I have great respect for Alabama and Georgia, but I'd love to see some new blood in there. Let's get one for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, or let's see Cincinnati break through and Cinderella win one of these things. That's kind of what I'm hoping turns out for the college football playoff.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Michigan's story this year has just been fun to watch and fascinating. They've had some amazing games and big wins. I'd be awesome to have them in the championship game. Sadly, I just, I mean, Georgia and Bama know what to do. They've been here before. They're great teams. I think Georgia's probably a little mad because of the loss to Bama and probably wants a rematch. So I could see an SEC rematch coming up. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. Let's get some new blood. I would love a double upset, get Michigan and Cincy in that big game.
2: By the way, uh, after the last week or after the last two weeks of seeing these coaching contracts handed out, I will say that Nick Saban is underpaid. Whatever they're paying him, it's not enough because the money that's continuing to be handed out to these coaches is ridiculous. Case in point, you know, last week we talked about Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly. This week, Miami hires Mario Cristobal from Oregon. So here's what they had to do just to get him on the sideline for game one. They had to buy out Manny Diaz, their old coach, for $8 million dollars. They had to buy out Mario Cristobal for $9 million at Oregon, and then Cristobal is going to make $8 million per year. So you're spending $25 million just to get Mario Cristobal on your sideline for game one at the University of Miami next year. All in all, in the last month and a half, there have been over $100 million of just buyouts for college football coaches. Ed Orgeron, $17 million to buy him out at LSU. Dan Mullen, $12 million to buy him out at Florida. Clay Helton, $10 million to buy him out at USC. And those are just a few of the names on the list. So Griggs, as we always say on this show, when the NCAA or other entities say, well, there's just not enough money for the athletes in college athletics, remember these numbers.
0: It's baffling how, how much money is, is crossed across these coaches year to year. And it's just like never changes it. It feels like coaches are even getting more moved around more frequently now than ever before, probably because, I mean, that's a pretty good Christmas for the crystal ball family, 8 million right now. And then you get another 8 million when the next year starts. It's just crazy. So much money moving around. I agree. Like, yeah, I think there's some money to pay some athletes.
2: All right. Our next headline, we told you last week, a lockout was coming with major league baseball. It's now official. The owners have locked out the players. Who knows how long this will last, but if you go to any team's website, go to Cubs.com. We had Ian Hap of the Cubs on our show last week. You won't see any name, image, or likeness of current players. You'll see things about past players, the history of the team. You won't see any name, image, or likeness from current players. That's not allowed during this lockout the teams cannot use the name, image, and likeness of players. It's all ridiculous. There's billions of dollars floating around in Major League Baseball. Hopefully they get it figured out, but there's officially a lockout underway. Our next headline, the Biden administration will not send an official U.S. delegation to the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. That was announced this week. It's a statement against China's ongoing genocide and crimes against humanity. So the athletes will still go at this point, but no one from the U S delegation is going to go to Beijing. Our last headline of the week, the NBA informed teams this week that unvaccinated players will no longer be allowed to travel to Toronto to play games beginning on January 15th. According to the memo, Uh, new Canadian law mandates that all visitors entering the country be vaccinated. So the NBA mandates 97% of your roster is vaccinated and vaccinated. Now, if you're not vaccinated, you're not making the trip to Canada to play the Toronto Raptors. So Griggs, we're going to find out who's vaccinated and who's not, because if you see so-and-so is out for tonight's game in Toronto, you probably have a pretty good idea unless they invent some kind of an injury that they're not vaccinated.
0: Yeah, I think that's, like you said, it can be pretty obvious uh, which ones are not. And like, it's not many in the NBA. I feel like the NBA has done pretty good with the vaccinations, but, uh, you know, I think they're just trying to tighten up with this Omicron and the new, you know, variants coming out. They're trying to tighten up that uh, travel across borders. So, I mean, I get it. I get why they're doing it.
2: All right, coming up next, Sarah McDevitt, the founder and CEO of Core Wellness, the head of mind tech for Hyper Ice. I think anyone, whether you're an athlete, a business person, just a human being, a parent, can relate to our conversation coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Brian Berger here. In addition to hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm also the co-founder of the consulting firm Everything is on the Record. Since 2007, we've been working with CEOs, corporate spokespeople, Pro sports team owners, athletic directors, elite athletes, and coaches to help them navigate the tricky media and social media landscape. My business partner is Rick Bucher of Fox Sports. As part of a new partnership with e learning platform Open Sesame, we are now offering many of our teachings via on demand courses available on video. Courses include presenting your best self in a video meeting, your personal brand is connected to your employer's brand pause before you post, text, and email, and scrubbing your social media. To take any of our insightful video courses on demand, visit opensesame.com and type in the words everything is on the record in the search. That's opensesame.com. To learn more about how we can provide a customized training session for your organization, visit everythingisontherecord.com. That's everythingisontherecord.com.
0: Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is
2: Sarah McDavid. She is the founder and CEO of Core Wellness. She's the head of mind tech for Hyperice. You can find Hyperice online at hyperice.com. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Sarah W. McDavitt. Sarah, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you?
1: I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Thank you
2: for having me. I'm so excited to have you. You took part in the Sports PR Summit conversation a couple of weeks ago. I appreciate that. And I'll tell our listeners that I have been using the core meditation device and all of the apps on it. And it's really made a huge difference in my life. So I'm excited for this conversation today. I always like to start with people like yourself the founder story. So you attended Stanford, you're a college athlete, you worked at Microsoft. How did it all come together for you to be the founder of Core Wellness?
1: Yeah, well, and first of all, thank you for using Core. It's honestly why we do it. It's when we hear people tell us that it's made a difference in their day to day. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Yeah, so I never planned on starting a company. (laughs) I I went to um, I started my career at Microsoft, like you said, and um, was in software and and product and engineering there. And after a while, I um, was kind of thinking I would pivot my career to ed tech, and so I went to this awesome program at at Stanford for uh, a master's in education. And all of these things kind of conspired uh, right before I got to campus to put me on this path around uh, mental health and mental wellness and. It was it was personal, like as I was moving away from uh, Seattle and, you know, all the transition that came with, even though I wanted to go to grad school, I was so excited for it. I was so lucky um, to be able to do this. It's still all the transitions kind of conspired to myself feeling really acute anxiety for the first time that I had ever identified with that. And so as I started to kind of look into what I could do for myself, I kind of started down this path of reflecting back to many, many other experiences in my life from, you know, peers in high school to um, college experiences, you know, other athletes that I played with and family members really starting to understand like how, how many people in my life had really been affected by mental health challenges. And it just opened up this whole world for me. I was like, I, I want to help myself naturally and I want to deeply understand this and, uh, and really tackle this as something that, you know, I think is really at the foundation of, of our society. Like we don't talk about it enough um, and we just don't have the systems and support yet. Um, I think to the, you know, to the amount that I think that we should And so um, I, of course, was headed right into grad school. So I had the opportunity to kind of choose what I was going to research for my master's degree. And so I went all in on uh, the science behind mental health, um, science behind meditation and mindfulness and other types of um, interventions that are kind of accessible to everyone. Um, And uh, I was actually focused at the time on working with high schools. through my master's in education on how we could bring mental wellness um, support more deeply into the classroom on a day-to-day basis. And it was actually through that process, working with, you know, 16-year-olds in a crazy, giant classroom of teenagers that led me to the idea for um, what is now CORE and the CORE Meditation Trainer.
2: I've had Gracie Gold Olympian on in the past year. I just had Bubba Watson on. They've talked about mental health and how in tune they are with their mental health now. And they've specifically talked about how when an athlete has a physical injury, there's all kinds of analysis done and there's therapy that's done. But with the mind, if you have a mind that needs fixing or needs some rehabilitation, we don't really pay as much attention to that. Is that part of what you're doing here, working with athletes like Naomi Osaka and Patrick Mahomes and Rory McElroy, all these investors in Hyper Ice? Are you able to work with them to kind of tap into the mental health aspect of being an elite athlete or being an athlete, period? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, that's what's been so exciting to be. Um, to become part of Hyperice, I mean, the reach with these athletes and really the stance that athletes are taking is is so inspiring. And, um, you know, I think athletes are really leading the conversation. And I think one of the reasons why that's so powerful is because, you know, of course, we we kind of aspire to the discipline and work ethic and, you know, a, a lot of different uh, things about athletes that we see, um, you know, that motivate us, you know, the everyday athlete in our regular lives. Um, But mental health is really like probably actually the most relatable um, part of their lives to, you know, someone like me who's now, you know, working every day and sitting a lot and just trying to get my running in and my recreational basketball. Like ultimately my training doesn't look as much like theirs does. Um, But the day-to-day mental strain of just trying to, you know, get through life and push towards your personal goals and trying to be on top of your game mentally, that's actually something that, um, you know, we can really relate to on just a human level, no matter what, uh, you know, kind of elite echelon these athletes are at. So I think that's part of why it has struck such a chord for elite athletes to really be talking about it.
2: Some of the athletes I just mentioned, now that you're with Hyperice and your company was acquired, have you had the chance to sit down and talk with some of the athlete investors? And if so, what are they telling you specifically?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, yes. And it's been just, a, it's been so inspiring. I mean, you know, they, it's still such a, there's such a stigma uh, still around, um the sense that you're supposed to tough it out and that if you have it good, so to speak, right? Like they're getting paid a lot, right? Right. If you have it good and you're quote unquote successful, that you shouldn't have any mental struggles. Like that's still kind of the assumption. Um, And what's so strong about how they're speaking out is that, um, you know, that's just not true. And um, mental health can really affect every single person, no matter, um, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, it's a little bit unpredictable. And that's what's kind of scary about it. Um, but it is kind of the a, a unifier. Um, and we're all on this like mental health journey throughout our lives, whether or not you've ever been diagnosed with anything or ever will be, you know, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. And I think one of the things that these athletes really talk about is that they've all had to cultivate mental health practices. Um, They just haven't necessarily talked openly about it, right? Um, If we think about athletes, you know, uh, just the level of like mental training and mental resilience um, that they cultivate into their routines to have the discipline that they have, you know, visualization, manifestations, all this kind of stuff. They actually already do it, you know? (laughs) And now we're really just um, opening up the conversation, they they're saying, you know, we want to share this with everyone. Uh, we want to share what we do. We want to share that we have normal human struggles as well, um, so that their you know vulnerability can really allow for others to have the vulnerability to um, talk more openly about it too.
2: I mean, I've spoken with a lot of elite athletes and. I think the other thing is, you know, besides just the pressure of performing in your sport, there's social media now. And there's a lot of hatred and vitriol on social media. And if you're yeah. reading some of that, it can't help but kind of, you know, break through your exterior and and hurt. And, you know, that's part of the world today, too, that didn't exist 20 years ago before social yeah. media. And, you know, I know a lot of athletes... They have a hard time reading some of the things that are said about them on social media.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, celebrities too. I mean, it's just such a, we joke about it. I think when we sort of are, um, you know, consumers of entertainment, right. Like they're out in the public eye, they, you know, they don't read the stuff or they should deal with it. But, you know, I, I think that's something that our youngest generations are really looking at too, because, um, you know, having grown up with their lives online, essentially, um, there's, there is just so much toxicity um, in social media, along with, you know, amazing opportunities to connect people who wouldn't otherwise been connected. Like, I'm totally open to the fact that there's great things about us being online together in online communities, etc. Um, but there is so much uh, anonymity allowed, you know, and it really allows people to attack in, in really vicious ways. Um, And so I think athletes and, you know, really our youngest generations who are saying like, you know, our youngest generations have both the highest incidence rates of mental health conditions and also are the most open about talking about it and saying, hey, we need to tackle this. Um, And so I actually think there's this awesome dialogue between these elite athletes, you know, on social media. and, And you're totally right. Like, they are human. We can't attack people and not expect them to feel, you know, something from that. Um, and our youngest generations who are really advocating for um, support in these types of ways.
2: The other thing that's changed in the last few years, and I know you've seen this, the pandemic has only brought more mental health challenges for people. Uh, I've seen stats around stress. 76% of all employees experience some sort of mental health challenge it's not just the elite athletes. It's not just the celebrities and the famous people. It's everyday people too, who are struggling with their mental health. And, you know, again, I I think your meditation device and the apps that you have can help the everyday person too.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's like a tiny, tiny silver lining that we talk about with the pandemic that, um, you know, amidst how incredibly difficult these past two years have been for everyone um, for so many reasons and how stressful uh, it's been. Um, You know, before the pandemic, we as a mental health company, we often said words like mental wellness, mental training, mental fitness, you know, resilience work, mindset work, all these words except for mental health because there was still that, Uh, perception that if you're talking about mental health, you're talking about mental illness. And I don't, you know, we don't actually think that's necessarily the case. Like mental health is health. We're all on a spectrum of our mental health journey any day. And so what the pandemic kind of finally did was um, open up that conversation so that people were actually recognizing that, you know, mental health is not just about the one in five, prior to the pandemic, one in five people who would be diagnosed with a mental health condition um, at any given time. You know, it's really a five in five. It's all of us. We all got to talk about it. We got to be proactive about it. Um, And it's really much more similar to how we think about physical health than we've ever talked about it before. Um, You know, and, and you mentioned elite athletes, you know, have if they have a physical injury, they have access to all these specialists you know, that's what you you do. You go to a physical therapist, you go to a trainer, go to a doctor. Um, And so for mental health, we really see it very similarly. Um, You know, if you're in a period of of challenge, uh, mental health wise, it's kind of like an injury, right? Like you tear your ACL and you're like, okay, I got to go see this specialist. I got to go to a physical therapist. I got to go to the doctor and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be proactive and treat this. I'm going to strengthen things. I'm going to work on flexibility, quads, you know, all this stuff that we know is going to be like a six to nine month recovery. And when we're in that, it's viewed as strong, right? Like, shoot, you got injured. You're pushing hard to recover. Um, And so with the pandemic, I think it finally opened people up to say like, actually, you know, if I get kind of knocked down mental health wise, okay, I've got to go find my specialist. I've got to go like kind of make my recovery plan. Um, And we should be able to be as open, you know, talking about that as we are for an injury recovery.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I want to talk about the meditation device for a moment. This is becoming a crowded space, the mental health app space. It's growing. Like we said, you know, people are talking about mental health more. The thing I like about core And the device is I like holding something. I like channeling my focus into the device itself. I love the fact that it vibrates, it pulsates. Instead of just having the music or having someone speaking to me or having sound, I actually really like the device. That has made a big difference for me. I think it's a differentiator for core wellness as opposed to the competition out there. Tell me about how you came up with the device itself. Cause I think again, it separates you from everyone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So back when I was working, like I mentioned in classrooms with um, teenagers, I had basically two big goals. One was, you know, how do I make this cool? <laughs> like, how do I, you know, allow for these 16 year olds to be like, okay, yeah, we'll try this. Um, and And second, how do I just make it easier to teach, right? Everyone was, you know, first time learning this stuff. Um, And if you think about a busy classroom of 35, 16-year-olds, you know, we're talking about a lot of fidgeting, a lot of distraction. Um, And so how do we we, uh, help make it easier to spend two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, whatever we can work up to, um, you know, sitting uh, relatively still and, paying attention to the present moment. Um, And so that's how, you know, we just started working with the 16 year olds to say like, what would help you? And prototyping stuff, trying different stuff. And ultimately what was so, what really stuck was having something to hold on to. You know, it's very grounding, it's very centering. It's kind of like cupping your warm, you know, mug of coffee in your lap. You kind of, you know, you kind of draw back into that good centered posture. Um and then the vibration is like, you know, for, for any of us, not just the teenagers, but you know, you're hearing people talk at you all day long. And that's great. We get a lot from that, but there's just something really special about having something tangible um, that can just be a different, you know, uh type of sensory um guidance. And uh the the teenagers in the classrooms are like, you know, it was just the kinesthetic learning was really powerful. And then I took that to, you know, anyone I could really use or test with. And turns out we're not that different from our teenage selves. <laughs> so it was really powerful um, to just have that physical um, thing to rest your attention on, like you said.
2: All right. So I've got to ask you something. I've got a 16-year-old. What is our teenage self? You just said, like, it takes us back to our teenage self. What is our teenage self?
1: <laughs> I love that question. Um I mean, I think that teenagers are, here's why I think teenagers are awesome. They're questioning everything. Like they're so, they're in this phase of like such independence and still not independent yet. And there's like an idealism that helps. I think when we really, really listen to teenagers, they're like asking questions about the world that if we kind of like remove what we've now assumed to be true as adults, we step back and listen to what a 16 year old is asking about the world. And we're like, Hey, wait a second. Like, does that make sense? (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, and so what, what we found in the classroom was like, you know, at first I was worried that we'd walk in with meditation and they'd be like, Oh, this is dumb, you know, (laughs) or something like that. And we just started talking about why, you know, and, and they would say, you know, yeah, my day is so full. Like I never get a chance. I never get a a moment of silence. Like someone's bothering me all the time. My day is so busy. Um, And so ultimately what they loved about meditating in class was they would say like, yeah, this is the only five minutes where nobody's bothering me in my whole day. You know, and and obviously that's not true for everyone um, or for every kid, but I just thought that was so powerful and such a good, um, uh, like, you know, um, reason to meditate. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's just that, it's just that five minutes where it's fully you. It's just you and the present moment. There's nothing else interrupting you. There's nothing else you have to do in that moment. Um, and it's, you know, it's pretty powerful.
2: What can we do to, I mean, we have a lot of, uh, business leaders who listen to this show. I, I feel like there should be like, Meditation timeouts every day in the workplace. Your device should be, you know, all over the workplace. I I feel like this should be done in schools too. Like you just said, like maybe there's a 15 minute, 20 minute, you know, meditation timeout for the students. What can we do to make that more a part of our day? How do you get the buy in from the corporations and the schools?
1: 100%. And the thing about having the device is that it allows people to. It makes it a more active, right? Um, yeah, practice. Right. Totally agree. And so it's like, yeah. So you know, one thing that we love to see is, uh, and that I think can be really widespread, is is putting in you know meditation stations um, in any kind of physical space. So classrooms, counselors' offices, office spaces. Um, you know, and it doesn't even have to be like a, a you know, this built-out relaxation room any corner, um, you know, we'll do. And and we do that with just the core device, noise canceling headphones, a place to sit and, you know, kind of like face the wall or something, just feel a little bit, um, private. Uh, but even, you know, without a whole room for it, we found that, um, because you're picking up the device and holding something, it makes people feel a lot less awkward doing it in a semi-public space. It kind of signals like, hey i'm I'm taking that five minutes right now. like I'm not just sitting staring at a wall with headphones on like i'm I'm holding something. I'm doing something active. this is an active practice. it's training, it's resilience, you know it's it's focusing. it's not just about stress relief um and so we found it to be kind of powerful to put these spaces in you know throughout office buildings and I think for business leaders, um I think there are a number of ways to incorporate it. Into workplace in a way that not only gets people doing it, which will just have you know a, a positive impact um, on your leaders and on your employees, but also signal that you know this is something in the in the business culture that the leaders care about. Um, and so, having a visible meditation station can do that. Um, you know, we love to see when new employees onboard. Um, you know, that's a great time to include something like the core meditation device mm-hmm. um because it really signals like, hey, your your mental health is important to us. Um, and this is not only about preserving your mental health, but also helping you stay focused, you know, good decision making, um, all of that stuff that you know we want in our culture. So um yeah, and, and we also, you know, we practice what we can <laughs> preach. Um I think another great way to do it is starting team-wide meetings with a five or 10-minute meditation. Hmm. So in our weekly meetings for the lifetime of the business, um, in our all-hands, we start with five or six-minute uh, meditation session as a group with the core device. Um, and so, you know, we've been virtual, of course, for for two years, but everyone uh, sits back, we're holding core, we started in sync. And so from anywhere, everyone's kind of experiencing the same session, Um, and there's this pretty awesome um, connecting power, especially when, you know, I know everyone's, like, so exhausted in in virtual life, (laughs) Um, but whether you're back in person or still virtual, there's this incredible power in everyone, you know, meditating uh, together. We actually are doing that with our um, uh, Hyperices HyperCare team, the customer support team. I mean, November, December is, like, the most stressful time for customer support mm-hmm. um, and we're taking the time every week to uh, have them do a 10 minute guided med- meditations a group. Um, and it's incredibly powerful.
2: That's a great idea. Tell me how the deal with Hyperice came about. So you started core wellness. It was doing well. And then, you know, a big company like Hyperice comes along and says, Hey, we're helping with rest and recovery on the physical end, but we want to be more into the mental health space. How did that deal come about? How'd they approach you?
1: Yeah, so we got connected by um, uh, an investment firm um, that is has been a long time investor of Hyperice, um, and we were I was talking to them about a potential fundraising round for Core, um, and they kind of like mentioned a little bit more about hyper about what Hyperice is doing, and I had been a customer. I've had a HyperVolt massage gun for years. It definitely helps me with knee pain to still be able to play basketball. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, that's kind of uh, most of what I knew about the company. I had no idea that they would be looking into, um, you know, the mental side of things. And so this investor kind of, you know, facilitated a conversation between myself and Jim Heath, the CEO of, of Hyperice. And I just learned more about the company and kind of everything that they're innovating on um, right now that's, that's even yet to come out. And it was really exciting, and the um, you know they it moved incredibly quickly. Like they were interested right away, um, and I loved the decisiveness and the boldness of that. And mm. what was exciting to me is that uh, you know there, I think Hyperice is really the first um, kind of fitness-related major brand like that to put such incredible weight behind mental wellness through the acquisition of core you know to say that like we gotta we need to invest in these types of solutions this is just as important as as physical recovery you know um i think it was quite a statement and i i really love that about um high prices willingness to lead in that way
2: yeah and again they have such an impressive list of athlete investors, Patrick Mahomes, Naomi Osaka, Ian Happ, Rory McIlroy, and and many others. So to be able to tap into their brains about, you know, what works with rest and recovery, what works with mental health and wellness, I I just think, you know, when athletes themselves are investing, they're going to get that much more involved.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what a benefit to the company, like, you know, VC investors are are wonderful, but they can they only have the life experience that they have. Right, it's such a huge benefit to have kind of the diversity of um, investors. You know, whatever your whatever like specific area your business in is in, um, to have these different viewpoints because it. You know, I think you know talking to Jim Heather, like it really was athletes that were starting to say you know way before they were looking at core. Um, you know, that we're starting to say like, hey, the mental side, you know, is part of recovery and preparation as well. And so it was the athlete investors who were, you know, putting that bug in their ear. Um, and without those relationships, you know, who knows if they would have kind of heard that early enough to be the first to make a move.
2: Absolutely. So tell our audience, what's the cost for the device the app, the subscription, you know, again, there's a lot of these out there, but I think the fact that you have the meditation device separates you from others. If someone's listening to this and they're like, you know what, I want to give this a try. What's the best way for them to do it?
1: Yeah. So, uh, on hyperice.com, you can see all the details of the device and the app subscription. Um, the subscription is 69 99 a year. And the device alone is $179. Um, but when you buy them together up front, we give 30 bucks off. So you get uh, both together as a package for $219. Um, and what you get, the difference. Um, so the device, uh, like you mentioned, it it offers vibration guidance along with audio from the app. Um, and so, and you can do either or as well, whatever your preference is. Um, and so this is just like an incredibly... Uh, Easier and in my view, more enjoyable way to experience meditation and breath training guidance. Um, and then it has biofeedback. So you are, uh, we're tracking your heart and nervous system during every session. Uh, we have medical quality ECG data um, coming into the app. And so then we can actually show you after every session how your body is responding to the different techniques and exercises um, that you're doing. And that I think has also been one of the keys you know, to why athletes have been so organically uh, attracted to using core because you get that sense of like skill development and progress tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's been really valuable. So uh, you get, you know, the data and everything with the device alone. And then with the app subscription, the, the premium uh, core app, we have daily classes from a diverse group of instructors, uh, the incredible you know, athlete partners that we have with hype price. Now uh, you'll be seeing them in the app. Um, So just really cool premium content um, from athletes and and music artists as well uh, with the premium subscription.
2: Yeah. And I love it. I have the premium subscription. Uh, I'll tell our listeners that, you know, specifically for me, I'm not the best sleeper in the last couple of years. And the sleep meditation really helps me a lot before I go to sleep breathing and calming down and getting in, in a better position to go to sleep. And then anxiety, I, I, the anxiety meditations are also very good for me. So there's a lot of different ones on there, but sleep and anxiety are the ones that have been really helpful for me.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, that's me too. <laughs> the, um my first, when I was first learning about meditation, um, I started doing it just like the, five minutes before I'd go to sleep. Like I'd get fully ready to bed, ready for bed. I'd sit up in bed and just try to do five minutes. Um and I, I think that's one of the big things. Like if you're new to this, you know, start small. Like you don't have to be able to sit for an hour like, you know, <laughs> or anything like that to start out. You can start with three minutes. We have three minute uh you know guided breathing sessions in the app and work your way up to whatever feels you know good and impactful to you. We typically like to recommend like 10 minute sessions or 15 minute sessions. Um, but yeah, I would start out just five, 10 minutes sitting up in bed um, with the meditation and then I would just fall back to sleep. And the first impact that I really noticed for me personally was like when I woke up, I would just wake up so much more refreshed and rejuvenated and energized. I actually gave up coffee for a while. Cause I was like, I don't even need coffee. in the morning, <laughs> And I was like, what's happening?
2: <laughs> well, and I'll be the first one to say to our audience I'm a skeptic on many, many things. And I was a little skeptical about this. I was like, is this more hoodoo voodoo? Like, you know, is this really going to work? And it does. And to me, the breathing is key. And the different kinds of breathing exercises. And again, having the device to hang on to, you you make a really good visual, like that warm cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, And the vibrating and the pulsating, like it sounds a little bit hoodoo voodoo, but when I did it, I was like, Oh my gosh, this really does work. And it really does make a difference. So, you know, if any of you out there are skeptics like me, I'm telling you, try it. And I think it'll make a difference for you too.
1: Yeah. And I, I, we like embrace skeptics for sure. I mean, talk about like, what, what is your teenage self? Like a skeptic. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. And that's what I love because I had that same thought. I mean, growing up as an athlete, I mean, I was surprised actually that I hadn't really been introduced to meditation in, in my life, just like, I don't know, growing up in Seattle and, you know, I knew about yoga, um, but I just had never tried it. And when I first got into it, um, I had that same skepticism. And I also had that skepticism about like kind of the way we've branded meditation in culture. And I think that's really changing. And that's one of the things that you know, I really wanted to change with core and is such a great fit with Hyperice, you know, is that like, it doesn't have to be this kind of like woo woo, you know, kind of hippie vibe. Like that's totally cool if you're into that, but it's just, it's powerful. It's practical. It's science-based. Um, it's, you know, you can use meditation and breath training not only to, uh, to calm down and work with stress and, and sleep, Uh, and you know even like communication in your life that kind of thing but you can also use it to uh, increase your focus like we have a lot of breath training exercises that are actually energizing and so when you're in that you know 3 p.m afternoon drowsiness (laughs) there's a three-minute breathing (laughs) exercise that'll just like you know get you back into that kind of alert energized mode which I think a lot of people don't um you know associate with with meditation you can actually kind of you know there are great exercises for like
2: alertness and focus all right you're from seattle you mentioned we'll end with this i've had ken griffey jr on i've had sue bird (laughs) on in the last year oh my gosh i would say in my mind that's the greatest male and female athlete in the history of seattle who are your favorite athletes from growing up in seattle
1: Oh, I mean those are my two of my all time favorites, but I also have to say Gary Payton. Yep. Who you know is from Oakland, which I now live in, but just a historic Seattle athlete, of course, with the Sonic. Um, I actually got the opportunity to watch his son play for the Warriors, which was super fun. I saw him in the you know, crowd telling him what he should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you gotta push to have Gary Payton on here. Um, and then I'm going to shout out a new, a young kid, uh, playing for Duke right now, Paolo Banquero.
2: Okay. Um, yeah. He, he's a heck of a player.
1: Heck of a player. He's like the next big guy basketball wise. And his mom was my high school basketball coach. And so he was like, I don't know, a two year old toddler, like wow. falling off chairs. Oh at, my god! High school basketball practices. So. Shout out
2: to Paulo. He's the next next guy to watch. Wow, well, that's a great story. So, if if we're watching you, you played basketball, I think, at NYU. What's the scouting report on your game?
1: <laughs> uh, sh- I'm shooting guard. I'm five eleven. Um, I would say the the fifteen foot game was kind of my my game mid-range yeah i like it
2: i like it (laughs) everyone either goes inside or they shoot three down the the mid-range is the lost art now so if you have a mid-range game uh i like it
1: yeah
2: i love you know we'll we'll step back we'll come
1: out the screen you know that's that's my game excellent but honestly i wish i had these mental training practices in college because That would have
2: really helped my career for sure. Oh my gosh. Well, we're making innovations because of people like you. Sarah McDevitt, the founder and CEO of Core Wellness, the head of mind tech for Hyperice. You can learn more about them at hyperice.com. Follow Sarah on Twitter at Sarah W. McDevitt. Sarah, just really admire the work that you're doing. Um, I love talking to innovative people. Um, Keep up the great work and uh, stay in touch.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was
2: a fun chat. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Brian Berger here. We've collaborated with our friends at Parish Project to create high-quality sports business radio clothing, including hoodies, long-sleeve T-shirts, and short-sleeve T-shirts. Each item comes in five different colors and a variety of sizes. These items are super comfortable, and you can wear them on Zoom calls, while working out, or when you're lounging around the house. Sports Business Radio has loyal listeners around the world. We'd love for you to post a picture rocking your Sports Business Radio gear. Tag us on Instagram or Twitter if you post. Get your official Sports Business Radio gear by going online to ParishProject.com. That's ParishProject.com, P-A-R-I-S-H, project.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.